0: The message real deep in week one we talked about how do we get started i kind of brought you back tried to get you to reminisce about what was it like when you first met um what what you know what did she wear what was he what did he look like did he have a beard did he have all of his hair was it dark or was it gray uh so th- get you to reminisce and and, and kind of talk about how we got started and then paint a picture of god's intentions for marriage and then in week two pastor Bubba was here and he talked about how did we get here. And we, we, he talked about how sometimes in marriage you can get into this thing we call a drift. And if you're not careful, you'll slowly begin to drift into this boring relationship that can lead to so many bad places. Okay, And we're all susceptible to the drift. And so we talked about that. And last week we talked about, well, what do we do now? Now that we know where we're at as a couple, where we know, now that we know what, where our struggle is, what do we do now? And so last week we talked about spiritual battle and if you didn't if you didn't weren't here last week and you you didn't get a chance to listen to that message I would encourage you to go back you can go online and listen to that message because it was a real practical look at the armor of God that he gives us to battle with and we actually talked about who we're fighting and who we're not supposed to be fighting so just to give you a freebie if you wasn't here last week you're not supposed to fight with one another. 50% 50% of you believe that. You're not supposed to fight with your spouse. Okay, we're down to 20%, it's getting worse and worse. But the Bible's very clear that there's a spiritual battle that's going on. It's not a flesh and blood battle. Okay? So it the, the problem is though it manifests in the flesh, right? If we're not careful if we don't keep our emotions in check and we don't go to God with how we're feeling before we go to our spouse and take it out on them, then we'll end up in a bad spot in marriage and we'll end up in a flesh and blood battle instead of a spiritual battle. Does that make sense? Okay. And so then today we're going to wrap it up. So now that we know how we got started, we remembered now that we know, how did we get to the place that we are? And now that we know, what do we do now? We go into battle. I want to wrap it up this week with where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Okay. Pastor Jamie, you, you helped us remember. Okay. Oh, you helped us realize where we are. Okay, great. You, you helped us realize who we're supposed to be fighting and who we're not supposed to be fighting. And what kind of weapons we have and, sh- and, and armor we're supposed to wear. And by the way, the Bible says to wear all of the armor. Remember we talked about that last week? You can't go half-dressed into a full-blown battle and expect to win. That's like playing an NFL football game without your helmet. You ain't going to last long. Right? He expects us to put on all the armor of God. And then now, where do we go from here? How do we finish this thing? How do we end this marriage series? And how do you launch out into this new relationship? Because I believe for some of you, you've turned, God's turned things around and he's made this thing new. What was dead, he's breathed life to. What was lost, maybe in the relationship, he's returning. He's returning. What you've maybe been unforgiven about or, 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 or frustrated about, God is now healing all that. And he's bringing a wholeness back into the marriage. And he's bringing us back together in this holy matrimony that he's called marriage. Which, by the way, he says, what, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So, so the word joined together literally means that whatever God's glued together, don't let anything get between it. Anything, anyone, any circumstance, any situation. Am I in the right church this morning? Yes. Come on, I, I, I believe I got a word from God. I mean, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so where do we go from here? Hopefully this thing has been helping you. And hopefully it's, it's been changing your life. You're welcome to go back and listen to the messages again and, and dive into the scriptures that we share. And find the life that God wants us to find. Before I get into the message itself, I actually want to read something to you. It's a prophecy from about four or five years ago that was prophesied, a prophecy for this church, this specific campus. It was, it was Pastor Jim. It was four or five years ago in Lafayette. And he, he, he prophesied this. And I want to read it to you because how many of you know when somebody prophesies over you, it doesn't always just happen right away. Sometimes it takes a while for it to develop and a while for it to actually happen. And my wife reminded me of this this week. She reminded me of this prophecy. I'd forgotten about it. And so, you know, my wife and I have been we've been super busy marriage counseling for the last six months. And listen to me, God is turning things around and we're excited. Oh, and by the way, I need to say this. Just a little side note. Last week, I said I made a statement that could have been taken wrong. Last week, I made a statement in the second service that I'm getting sick and tired of doing marriage counseling. You'd had to know the whole content. If I tell you just what I said, you would say, well, yeah, that's offensive. But I just want to say, I just want to clarify that I am not sick and tired of doing marriage counseling. I'm sick and tired of the devil beating up on marriages. Amen. I will, I will marriage counsel till the day I die. Amen. Just to keep my foot on the devil's head. So listen to this. Y'all forgive me. Okay, thank you. Such a forgiving church. Sons and daughters, I want you to know it is very interesting what I'm going to do with you. It has been a fragile time. Beginnings for you were already a fragile time. There was a season, a season ago in which you were almost on life support. But I want you to know that resurrection power is going to characterize that church. In fact, there is going to be a series of very unique restorations come out that come out of that church. I'm going to begin to resurrect dead couples and dead marriages. And son, I want you to know you are the right man at the right place. And there's going to be a series of marriages restored at that church that is going to amaze you. That's happening right now. In fact, this is not going to be an easy word to walk out because wrecked people are going to begin walking into that church, says the Lord. Now, if you're new today, that may not apply to you. (laughs) I'm trying to clarify everything these days. No, I'm joking. Word is going to get around. If you need a resurrection, come to that place. Son, a gift of faith is going to rise up in you. And even as you laid a strong foundation in the natural, you're going to lay a strong foundation in that church. And my hand is going to come upon you and your wife. And there is going to be such a restorative thing on that church. It will get an amazing reputation. Before I am done, people will drive miles and miles and miles for a word of hurt of hope. And there is going to be a power to resurrect and restore that which has been dead and which has been dying, says the Lord. The growth comes at first one by one and twos, but it will go in clusters before I'm done, says the Lord. That church is going to specialize in extended family groups coming into the kingdom of God together. There are are going to be like households that erupt because one member or one couple comes. I want you to open your heart wide to prodigals, to deadened marriages, because there is going to be a resurrection faith that flows out of this church. That's where we're at today. Can I say that? That's where we're at today. And it's been four or five years since that word was given. And honestly, the next Sunday I was like, <laughs> I was like is, it, is it happening right now? <laughs> and Maybe next Sunday. But it's funny how sometimes God may let you forget. And when you get in the midst of something, somebody comes along and reminds you of what God said. So, you know why I wanted to read that to you this morning? Because I want to give you hope. Some of you have a word from God that you're standing on today. Don't give up. Don't give up. Just because he hasn't done it in your timing doesn't mean that he's not going to do it. Amen. That was a word for about four or five of you. Real quick. Great stuff. Man, I'm excited. I got all fired up after I read that prophecy again. I'm like, woohoo! We're right where we're supposed to be. All right. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Woo! Restore resurrection life to marriages. I'm going, wow, we're in a marriage series. I believe that God's resurrecting marriages. Amen. Say this with me. Say, God, resurrect my marriage. I want to I talk to you today about finishing well, and I want to get you to stop looking at your current circumstances and situations, and I want to get your mind down the road. I want to I get you thinking about when you're 80, uh, when you're maybe 70, or maybe when you're 90. Some of you may be 80, saying, Pastor, it's not over with for me, when, when, maybe when you're 90, but I want you to look down the road this morning you with me i don 't want to stop looking at your current circumstances and situations and let them affect you and drive you and and, and, if, and and just make you be what you are right now. Look down the road and get yourself a new goal to shoot for. so I want to talk about how we finish well. I want to share you a story with you. This is a story that I know personally. I knew the guy and his wife and, and he was an old, they were an older couple. they lived in Franklin, Louisiana. And the, and the old man, was a, he was a small engine mechanic, and he had a little garage attached to his house, and it was full of lawnmowers, and you'd go pass by in the middle of the day, and underneath his carport, he's out there pulling wrenches. And Anyway, he gets sick, and he was a funny old man, and, and he always clowning around and doing his thing, and he, they're about 75, 80 years old, and he gets sick, and he smoked his whole life since he was 13 years old. And and he ends up developing like lung cancer or something and and so the doctors tell him to quit smoking. So at like seventy five years old he quit smoking. Then not long afterwards he dies. <laughs> he was like or he got sick right after he quit smoking and his his, his argument was like, well, I didn't get sick while I was smoking. I got sick when I quit. Okay, I'm not even gonna try to explain that one. All right. But anyway, so so he finally he gets sick, and then he ends up passing away and his wife's left there. And she's after the funeral and everything. A couple weeks go by and she's in his shop and she hardly ever went into a shop and she's in his shop. and She's just kind of looking around. She'd been kind of putting some things away and this and that trying to heal. And she comes across this shoebox. And it's kind of strange, a shoebox in a garage, basically a mechanic shop. So she she grabs a shoebox, she opens it up, and there's a note on top. And it says, If you found this, and he says her name, I can't remember their names, but if you found this, I must be dead. And she when she picked the note up, she saw a shoebox full of cash. And she she reads it, she says, it says, If so and so, if you found this, I must be dead. Don't spend all my money. He left her $70,000 in a shoebox. I think he was thinking about the end and praying to God that she didn't let somebody else clean that shop out, right? <laughs> True story, man. I, I thought it was pretty cool. It, it gets me thinking about the end. I want to give you a crazy verse from the Bible this morning. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. <clears throat> One of the craziest verses I know in the Bible Uh, The writer says this, chapter 7, verse 2. It says, better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. Huh? After all, everyone dies. So the living should take this to heart. The Bible says it's better to hang out at funerals than parties. Why? You know what happens when you go to a funeral? You're sitting there and there's a casket over there and you're looking at that and you take a moment. You kind of go, man, you know, that's going to be me one day. And you know what happens? and You may not even be aware of it, but you begin to reflect and think about and process the end of your life. Right? The writer of Ecclesiastes is trying to tell us this morning that you need to be thinking about the end. Enjoy right now, but you need to be thinking and living with the end in mind. Come on, somebody. Why? Because it's not how you start the race. It's how you finish the race, baby. Amen. Come on, somebody. Some of you have had a horrible start. Some of you made every mistake in the book and even put a few new ones in the book. Right? And you're sitting here beating yourself down because of how you started. And the Bible never talks a whole lot about how you got started. It talks a whole lot about how you finish. So let go of your past. Take hold of your future and think about how this thing's going to end. What's it going to look like when you and the wife are 70 and 80 years old? You still going to have a little flame in you? You still going to have a little sizzle? Just saying. Will anyone show up to your funeral? Is it going to be awkward? Are people going to have to make up good things to say about you? Or is it going to be a celebration? I love to go to funerals where people finish their life well. You know why? Because it's not fake. You're You're not sitting there with this elephant in the room. Come on, somebody. There's no elephant. I don't want no elephants at my funeral. I want some good meat being cooked, some good dessert in the kitchen, and a whole lot of Come on, somebody, right? I want people laughing. I want them cutting up, telling stories about what I did, what I didn't do when I made mistakes, and how much fun we had, right? I want people to celebrate my life. I don't want them to sit there and talk about, oh, you can't talk about that. I don't want no secrets. I don't want no dark sides. Amen? 2 Timothy 4, 7, Paul says this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. Great verse, right? I fought the good fight. I finished the race and I remained faithful. Let's look at what Paul didn't say. Paul didn't say I won the fight because we already win the fight. What he says, I fought the fight good. In other words, I gave it everything I had at the end of my life i can lay my head down and go i gave it everything i got notice he's, he didn't say i won the race the reason he didn't say i won the race is because he was in not he was not in competition with anybody the goal is not to beat somebody else in the race of life the goal is just to finish the race you know what that means stop looking around you stop looking at Facebook and comparing your life to everybody else's on Facebook and start realizing I just need to finish my race. It don't matter if I finish before them or after them. And my responsibility is to finish the race. Then Paul says this at the very end. He says, and I have remained faithful. I've remained faithful to the end. How did we go from sizzle to fizzle? Come on. Let's talk about that this morning. How did you go in your marriage when you first met? She was the best looking thing on the planet. You couldn't get your mind. You couldn't get her off your mind. You couldn't even lay your head down at night and go to sleep because she was on your mind. You saw her in the last pair of clothes she was in and you're like, oh, man. How you go from sizzle to fizzle. Because the reality is that some of you are heading to fizzle if you're not there already. Where you don't even look at each other. You don't even contact one another during the day. There's no touching and no feeling whenever you get home. Whenever you get home, it's like, hey, hey. And you both end up in the recliner watching TV. One's on Facebook. Did you see that? Uh Uh-huh. No, did you really see that? Uh uh-uh. uh. How do you go from sizzle to fizzle? So, look, watch this. Last week we talked about how to send the devil running, right? The Bible says to resist him and he's going to flee from you. We talked about how to resist the devil. It's by putting on the whole armor of God and using the sword that he gives you. We got that. Now, where do we go from here? We got to get our sizzle back. Come on, there's nothing like defeating somebody and then talking a little trash afterwards, right? I mean, when you beat your enemy, just go, (laughs) I mean, how many of you watch fights? When you see a fight, when the guy wins a big old fight, does he just kind of go, what's he doing? He's climbing on the top of the ring. He's celebrating, right? When When the New England Patriots won the Super Bowl, Was everybody kind of like, well, you know, I was number five. They just walked off the field. No, they celebrated, right? There was a little bit of taunting going on. They had something to say. The ones that were defeated put their head down and went into the locker room. And some of them were left crying, right? We've learned last week how to defeat the enemy. He's running. Now what do we do? We enjoy what God's given us. You got to do something. You just can't send him running to say, well, the devil's gone. You want a glass of tea? Come on, man. Get your sizzle back. Stick your tongue at the devil. Tell him, get you some of this, bruh. I got to make up for lost time. Oh, you're not hearing me this morning. (laughs) You see, God gave us the emotion of joy and celebration to use it. I had something this week, man, I've been praying for, I've been standing on, I've been making positive confessions to this thing, and it's starting to turn around. And last night, I finished up my message, and I checked it, and it went, cool. I just threw my hands, I said, whoa, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Nobody, everybody else in the house is sleeping. I'm in the, in the upstairs, yes, yes, I'm celebrating. Why? Because what I've been after, I got. Amen. All right, now I'm getting ready to read to you one of the most provocative books in the Bible. I'm going to keep it. New Living Translation. But go with me to the book of Song of Songs, or maybe your Bible says the Song of Solomon. And listen to me. (laughs) Some of you may go, oh, Lord. Here we go. He's going to talk about intimacy. He's going to talk about this. Yep, that's what I'm getting ready to talk about. But look at me. It's in the book. And if you can't talk about what's in the book in the church, you might be in the wrong church. Right. So listen carefully. Some of you are like, oh, I'm listening now. (laughs) Song of songs, chapter five, verse 10. Now, what's going on here is you've got you've got Solomon and you've got his his lover or his, his, his woman, the one that he's after, the one that he's going for, the one he's pursuing, the one that has his attention. So you got the man and you've got the woman and there's a pursuit going on. Okay? Now, keep in mind, and I just want to disclaim this before because we've got a few teenagers in here. Keep in mind that, that she says several times in this book not to awaken love before it's time. Let me tell you what that means. That means don't ever, teenagers and singles, don't ever put yourself in a position where you're going to waken up some feelings or some emotions that you're not ready to deal with. Don't wake up love before it's time. Don't put yourself in a position that you shouldn't be in. That, that may I'm not here to tell you whether you should kiss or you shouldn't kiss if you're dating or, or any of those. Things. I'm saying to you, don't wake up the giant inside of you. Is that Okay. Because remember, sex outside of marriage is sin. And the enemy is constantly tempting us to sin. Right? So watch this. So this is, a, this is, a, this is kind of a conversation. This book is a conversation between a, a man and a woman. We're going to pick it up in verse 10 of chapter 5. And there's a whole lot in this book. I'm not going to hit everything. But watch this. In, in chapter 5, verse 10, it says this. This is the woman speaking. She says, my lover is dark and dazzling, better than 10,000 others. His head is finest gold. His, way, his wavy hair is black as a raven. His eyes sparkle like doves beside springs of water. They are set like jewels washed in milk. She's noticing the details. Okay, I basically said that his eyes are pretty and they're white as can be. Okay. His cheeks are like gardens of spices, giving off fragrance. His lips are like lilies, perfumed with myrrh. His arms, come on somebody, his arms are like rounded bars of gold, set in barrel. You start talking to your man like that, let me tell you something, something's going to rise up in him, he's going to stick his chest out. Baby, your arms That brother might start working out just to make the arms even better. His body, watch this. His body is bright ivory, glowing in the lapis lazuli. I don't even know what that means. But basically, he was white. In other words, he's been working in the sun. Everything that is exposed to the sun is dark. In other words, he got a farmer's tan. Come on, somebody. He got a farmer's tan, and she thinks it's sexy. Get you some of that. You ain't got to tan all this. Leave it white. (sighs) His legs. Oh my God. Here we go. His legs are like marble pillars set in sockets of finest gold. His posture is stately like the noble cedars of Lebanon. Come on. He's. Right? You hearing this? Man, this is awesome. Listen to me, women. If you'll start saying things like this to your husband, oh my goodness. Stop talking about what's hanging over his belt and start talking about what's still holding up right. Come on, can I get a witness? (laughs) His mouth is sweetness itself. He is desirable in every way. Such O oh, women of Jerusalem is my lover, my friend. Wow, watch this. Not only is she telling him about himself, she's bragging to other people about her man. Oh, I'm about to step on your toes now because you need to quit nagging and you need to start bragging. You can't get nowhere as nagging, but deeper in the mud, you need to start bragging. I got a hardworking man. My man's got a good job. My man's in good shape. He's a little bit insulated, but he's in good shape. <laughs> Come on. When he comes home, what's up, my man? Hey, bread is pretty bland until you put butter on it. Come on, somebody. You have not because you speak not. Right? Man, that's incredible. Listen to me. If I came home and my wife said that to me every day, I might start working out. (laughs) Just saying, it could happen. (laughs) Come on, can we have a little fun this morning? Go with me to chapter 6 and look at verse 4. Chapter 6, verse 4. It's his turn. Mm hmm. Oh, y'all don't get nervous now. Because <clears throat> man needs to speak, man needs to pursue, right? Okay. Man needs to pursue, right, ladies? So y'all are all sitting there, all cautious, like, pursue what? Like I want him to take me out first, you know, verse four, man speaking, you are beautiful. My darling, like the lovely city of Terza, it must be a beautiful city. Yes. As beautiful as Jerusalem, as majestic as an army of billowing banners, turn your eyes away for they overpower me. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Come on! Y'all don't think that's good? Actually, it means that when a flock of goats would come down, it was a type of hairy goat, but when they would all come down and the wind would blow, the hair would blow in the the wind, and it was beautiful. In other words, he's saying to her, when you do this, you you know I can't do it. You know, when you do that and your hair just kind of falls all over. Woo, baby, don't do that to me. You're going to hurt somebody, right? Just saying. Just saying like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. This is hope for men because you can say something stupid. And if she don't recognize it or she don't understand it, they can't interpret it. You just need to tell her, go read song songs. No, I didn't say go home and tell her she looked like a goat. That might get you in trouble. You're nagging like a goat. Nah, no, don't say that. Verse 6. Your teeth are as white as sheep they are f- that are freshly washed. Your smile is flawless. E- each tooth matched with its twin. Come on, somebody. She got all the teeth. Come on. She got all of them. And they got twins. In other words, ain't one bigger than the other one. He's noticing everything, right? Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Even among 60 queens and eighty concubines and countless young women, I would still choose my love, my perfect one. Now watch this. This is Solomon. Solomon had all those other women. Solomon is focusing on the one that he wants. You see this? When you're in pursuit of something, you notice everything about it. When you're getting tired of something, you quit noticing everything. How many of you drive up and down the same road every day? How many of you didn't notice something happened on that road until like weeks later? I mean, they could have come in and re-asphalt the whole road, and you'd have been like two weeks later, like, oh hey. Right? What you get tired of, you quit noticing. But what you're pursuing, you notice everything about. Amen. Isn't that good stuff? Man, he's washing her with his words. Come on, you know, women, they have insecurities. They, they, they think about themselves. They're always looking at themselves. They're always priming and propering and doing all kinds of things with themselves to make themselves look better. I mean, women pay attention to what they wear. Men just wear. You follow me? It's good for a man to come home and say, baby, your eyes. Oh, man, they've been washed in milk. I mean, they're just like, who your hair, girl? It's like goat's hair. From the Bible. You know, the good-looking goats from the Bible. You got to be careful. Okay? Listen to me. We're supposed to be having fun. The devil's running, right? The devil's on the run, right? You just defeated him, right? Have some fun. Get your sizzle back. Come on, somebody. Get your sizzle back. Some of you have been nagging so long, you can't even pay attention to one another anymore. They're telling each other the best things about each other. We can all find the negative in each other, right? That's the easy thing to do. Put a little work into it and start finding the positive things. And say it. Don't just admire it with your mouth shut. Say, oh, man, she's looking good today. It would help if you tell her. Amen, ladies. Like girl, look at you! Woo! Listen to me. In my house, in the car, you can ask my kids. I constantly pursue my wife. I'm constantly talking trash. I, I'm, I'm saying all this stuff and more. Okay, to my wife. And my wife, you know, she's now she's kind of at the point. All right, all right, all right. But I, I'm teaching them, right? I'm teaching Ethan. One day he's gonna get older. You got to speak to them women, boy. You got to tell them what they're going to be. Tell them what they are. You got to wash them with your words. That's what the Bible says. If you're not telling her she looks good, then the devil's constantly telling her she looks bad. And that's the only thing she's hearing. I said, if you're not telling her she looks good and the only thing she's hearing is the enemy tell her she's looking bad, then she's going to start believing she's looking bad. Men, you got to open your mouth. You got to wash her with your words. You got to tell her how beautiful she is. You got to tell her when she does something right, man, you nailed it, baby. Right? Focus on the good so much that the bad starts to fade away. You know that can actually happen? That if you'll start focusing on the good with one another, that eventually you'll stop noticing the bad. Watch this. And when you start celebrating the good between yourselves, you'll both stop focusing on the bad and you'll start focusing on the good. When my wife tells me I put on a pair of pants and a a shirt that looks good, I wear that sucker till the stitches fall off. Why? Because I want her to think I look good. Why? Because I want her to pay attention to me. I want to know that I got her attention. Amen. <laughs> it gets better. Watch this in chapter seven. It's in the Bible. I'm just saying, it's in the Bible. How beautiful are your sandaled feet, O queenly maiden? Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of skilled craftsmen. Come on, somebody. Your navel is perfectly formed, like a goblet filled with mixed wine. Between your thighs lies a mound of wheat bordered with lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle. Your neck is as beautiful as an ivory tower. Your eyes are like the sparkling pools in Heshbon. Listen to what he's saying. He's describing her to the T. But listen to what he says. He says your breasts are like two fawns. Okay, man, let me speak a little language to you. You in the woods, okay? You in the woods, you deer hunting? Two fawns come out. That's baby deer, everybody. Okay. Two. <laughs> y'all better quit. <laughs> two baby deer come walking out. Y'all something else, I'll tell you what. What do you do with those two baby deer right there? Do you just jump out of your deer stand and go, hey! Are they going to stay? No. How do you get to the two fawns? What a nice... Gentle, easy approach. Come on, man. Women are like crockpots. Men are like microwaves. <laughs> I'm just saying. A man's ready like that. A woman, you got to warm up. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to put. Pull out your best moves. I mean, you got to. You got to knock her out. Not knock her. Out, you got to. <laughs> funny but it's for real I can't tell you how many times I wish my wife was a microwave but she's not it takes at least 20,000 words and a good dinner and no kids and no hassle right you just don't run up on the phones the baby deer I believe this is in the Bible. Come on, this is good stuff, right? I mean, this is, come on, you should not be uncomfortable right now. You should be having a great time because this is the word of God. And God wants you to enjoy your marriage. Verse 4, your neck is like a, is as beautiful as an ivory tower. Your eyes are like the sparkling pools in Hezbon by the gate of Bath Robin. I don't know what that means. Your nose is as fine as the Tower of Lebanon looking over Damascus. Don't know what that means. Your head is your head is as majestic as Mount Carmel, and the sheen of your hair radiates royalty. The king is held captive by its tresses. Oh how beautiful are you. How pleasing, my love, how full of delights. You are splendor like a palm palm tree and your breasts are like two clusters of fruit. I said, I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like grape clusters and the fragrance of your breath like apples. May your kisses be as exciting as the best wine flowing gently over lips and teeth. Listen to this. This is how much we're supposed to be into one another. The devil's been having you on the slip for so long that you don't even notice these things anymore. You go through the mundane day and you just do the same old routine and you forget to check one another out. When's the last time you did something spontaneous? Ladies, I know a lot of times you want the man to do something spontaneous. But let me say this. When's the last time you sent him a text message in the middle of the day said, boy, you better get home. Listen, he'll break his neck getting home. When's the last time he comes home and you got everything laid out and ready for him? And when he comes home, there's a nice supper. You don't kick the kids out the house. It's, it's all you, just you and him. When's the last time you did something like that? Men, when's the last time you called her up and said, girl, you better be ready at five o'clock and you better dress like this because I'm taking you out tonight. My kids call it a what? Say it loud. A hot date. A hot date. <laughs> when they were this big they, and they see a babysitter coming over, they go, uh, mom and dad's going on a hot date. <laughs> Brainwashing a man all the time. Brainwashing them. You know why? Because when they get married, I want them to enjoy all of it. Are you hearing me? God gives us all these incredible blessings that come with marriage. And listen to me. They are for you to enjoy. Stop letting things, circumstances, and people steal them from you. Enjoy your marriage. Have fun. Be into one another. What's crazy is that we get uncomfortable in church when people talk about stuff like this, but then we'll go home and watch it on TV and be totally comfortable with it. If we can't talk about these things in church, then where can we talk about them? Come on, the devil's been winning too long because the church has been too ashamed to talk about what it needs to talk about. Right? Can I get a better amen? I'm just telling you, you go read Song of Songs, okay, and you start putting into practice some of God's word. I'm just saying your marriage is going to get better. Just be careful how you use the animals, okay? <laughs> Remember, we're trying to get our sizzle back. We're trying to spice this thing up again. We've been fighting for too long with each other. Now we're going kick the devil's tail. Now it's time to have a party, to have some fun. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5 says this. Says, do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time, so you can give yourselves to more completely, more completely to prayer. <laughs> ain't none of y'all praying that much, so, so quit it. <laughs> My wife used to mess with me. We'd get into bed, and I'd make a little move on her. She goes, she da ba ba ba, ka, da, ba, ba girl, you can't pray that long. <laughs> you pray oh, you ain't praying that long. I'm gonna catch you. afterward you should come together again so that satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control you should be loving on each other so much that you never have eyes for anybody else You should be fulfilling each other's needs so much that there's no need to look for it anywhere else. Not on your phone, not on your computer, not working in your job. You shouldn't be looking for love in all the wrong places because you should be getting it at home, the Bible says. And if you're giving each other what what each other is supposed to get, then you're not going to go look for it somewhere else. Let me tell you something today having an affair on somebody is becoming such a small thing that it's ridiculous it's ridiculous when i was a kid you would hear about somebody having an affair and then you just felt this crashing weight this sadness today people go oh yeah i had an affair it's, it just it just passes on by there's no weight to it right Now I know some of you, you've been in those situations and and maybe a spouse has been unfaithful or maybe you've been unfaithful. And listen to me, we can all stumble and we can all fall and God can redeem what's been broken. He can put back what's been torn apart. But listen to me, when he does, you're going to have to do something different. Spice it up, get, get get into one another, enjoy one another. Keep the enemy from tempting each other. So, what's keeping the sizzle out of your marriage this morning? Is it stress and drama? Come on, what's making you not feel like it? And I'm not just talking about sex, I'm talking about intimacy in all of its forms communicational intimacy, emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, like walking and holding hands or maybe holding one another while you're watching a movie. You follow what I'm saying? All those kinds of intimacies, what's keeping you from enjoying one another? Because whatever that is, is the thing that you've let come between you. Is it financial stress? Is it that things aren't working out like you think they're supposed to work out? So not all of a sudden, because things aren't working like they're supposed to, you got the right to have a little division between your spouse is it the kids getting in the way and the kids are so out of control that you can't enjoy one another? The Bible says to let no man come in between you. What's getting in between you? Is your, is your, is your spouse not fulfilling the needs that you need that you need to have? And by the way, they're not going to fulfill everything, because most of it, you've got to get it from God first. He was never meant to make you complete, like the movie said, You complete me. No, he don't. He aggravates you. Get fast forward two years down the road. He aggravates you. Because he don't turn his socks inside out. What's getting in between? Do you have so many rules and regulations and such a high high standard for him to live by or for her to live by that they can never measure up? What's getting in between? What's keeping you from enjoying each other in marriage? Is it your finances? Because listen to me, a hot date is a whole lot cheaper than a divorce. I said a hot date is a whole lot cheaper than a divorce. A dozen roses is a whole lot cheaper than a lawyer. A little plan to get away and spend some time with one another is a whole lot cheaper than the courtroom. Amen. What's getting in the way? Are you under the circumstances or are you over your circumstances? We got to refuse to let things get between.